Hello again, and welcome to part two of the Super Duper Special Rotating Reels Triple Feature episode. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Hank Showalter. I'm calling in from Seattle, Washington. And joining me, as usual, are my two co-hosts, Keegan Tran, calling in from Portland, Oregon. Give us a shout out. Hank, is that my necklace? It's not. It's not your <laughs> necklace. <laughs> and Taylor May, also calling in from Seattle, Washington. It's the plague, run! <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, both of those shout-outs were references to the movie we are reviewing in this episode, 2010's Black Death, starring Sean Bean. Um, but before we get to that movie, we got a couple orders of business. So first of all, we got a Patreon. It's super cool. Um, and uh, if you want to support us that way, it's just five bucks to subscribe. You get access to our super special after hour show called Rotating Reels After Hours, where we do some additional <laughs> reviews as well as, uh, you know, some, some special content that's not just strictly film reviews. It's really fun. Check it out if that interests you at rotatingreels.com. However, I feel obliged to mention there are ways to support us for free. Uh, so first of all, just listening to us is greatly appreciated. Second of all, if you listen to us on iTunes, go on iTunes, uh, write a review for the show, give us a, a star rating, whatever you think is fair. Um, that, uh, you know, that helps us out, I think, in the algorithms or something. I don't actually know how all this works, but uh, it's good if you do it. I know that much. So if you want to show us some love, go show us some love in public on iTunes. Fast eyes. Right. Now then, with that, one last order of business before we get to our review of Black Death, and that is what we've been watching. So as I mentioned in the last episode, we're recording three episodes in one night tonight um, that uh, go back over movies we've been watching for the past three weeks. So our what up we've been watching this time is not strictly stuff we watched in the past week. It can be from any of the past three weeks, um, but we're making an effort to divide it up into uh, three distinct packages so we have what we've been watching segments for three episodes. So with that, Taylor, what's some stuff you've been watching in the past three weeks? And you got three minutes starting now. Three minutes, three distinct packages, three distinct hosts. Um, <laughs> yeah, so when I was looking up uh, The Black Death, I saw this movie and I watched it. It was called Black 47. Uh, it's really interesting story, kind of an action story. It's uh, about a well, it, set, it takes place in Ireland during the Great Famine, um, and it's about a guy who, uh, you know, his family suffers some of the travails that uh, many families suffered in Ireland during the famine, and he decides to kill some people about it. And uh, he's really good at the old killing people thing, uh, and so it's just a, it's kind of a hoot. And uh, you get a lot of people uh, talking in Gaelic, saying how they're never going to speak English again. So there's there's a lot of a lot of heated moments out there for our, our Irish listeners. Um, and the next thing I watched was a sci-fi movie called Lapsus. Um, really interesting premise. Uh, it's it's set in a uh, they don't call it the near future. They call it like an alternate present. So it's supposed to be like about this time frame, but a couple things are a little bit different. The biggest one being they figured out how to make commercially available quantum computers. So everybody's got to have a quantum computer, a quantum phone, and then as a part of that, uh, this kind of new industry of these new technological devices, um, there's there seems to be some high frequency trading going on. So some financial shenanigans that's resulted uh, from this quantum technology, and all of that comes together uh, to kind of 
we see we see all of this through the lens of basically a Tony Soprano type character. He's the guy in Queens. He's got you know a sick brother. He's got to take care of him. So he starts working, uh, interacting with this high frequency trading financial thing that's going on. And it's just kind of a regular guy interacting with crazy technology and all this other stuff happening. And the whole time he just kind of doesn't know what's going on. And it kind of gets creepier and creepier and creepier. Um, so I, I really liked it. Kind of a slow burn, um, but very haunting without uh, you know anything actually horrifying going on on screen. Just very unsettling, and feel you know a lot of the emotions I think people might feel in our modern day, uh, but for kind of different reasons. So I re I really like this movie. I would highly recommend it. That's Lapsus. I think it's on Netflix. Um, yeah, and those are the those are the two things I watched for this episode. Nice, nice. So, with that, Keegan, what have you been watching? You got three minutes. It's starting now. Okay, so I'm going to do one movie, and then uh, one thing that's not related to film or television at all. Uh, quickly, I watched 21 Bridges, which is one of the final performances by Chadwick Boseman. Uh, many know him as Black Panther. Tragically passed away, and I think he was in his mid-40s. Pretty, pretty young guy. Uh, this is a pretty interesting cop procedural drama. Uh, it's It covers one night in relative real time. The idea is that there's a couple guys who are robbing another coke dealer, um, and then instead of three kilos, kilos of coke, they show up and there's 300 kilos of uncut coke. So they it's, it's a huge debacle. They end up killing a couple cops and they go on the run in Manhattan. Uh, Chadwick Boseman is the police officer and he decides close all 21 bridges in and out of Manhattan we're gonna find these guys in one night so it's kind of fun it has a, it's very fast-paced I'm not a huge like cop movie guy there's I mean there's like you know training day there's some fun stuff from the 90s I really like uh, like end of watch with Jake Hall, but it's not really my genre uh, but again this is fun I think Chadwick Boseman does a good performance JK Simmons is in this uh, a good amount as well always fun to see a good JK Simmons role uh, it, I, I like the element that it takes place over one night and there is this kind of suspense in, in are they going to find these guys and you know for people that aren't from the east coast you, you don't really realize how small Manhattan is so putting it in scope of like areas around me to think of x amount of square blocks of coverage that they have to do that's an island it's pretty interesting to think of how you'd weed someone out in that amount of time so it's uh, pretty fun uh, it's, it's not a must watch but this is on I think Showtime it's a pretty decent action movie uh, and the other thing that I want to call out is I've been reading some Marvel comics lately, and I found this comic called Gwenpool, um, and she is essentially a uh, skin skin swap of Deadpool. So think of the mask and like the the black and and red that Deadpool usually wears, except it's pink and white, and she's not wearing pants. It's just like a leotard. Very very funny character design. It was done as a one off variant for a cover. Um, usually a lot of comic books will do this, although I have like. Spider-Man holding Captain America's shield and they'll see like if the fans like it Maybe they'll do a one-off story, but this was uh, actually something that was similar to that got a lot of fan support People wanted to see her story essentially. It's a girl who's in our real world She's kind of an otaku not doing much with her life just spends a lot of her time reading comics and playing video games and One thing leads to another she falls into the Marvel 616 universe and she decides she's gonna become a superhero as a form of escapism and so it goes into some interesting places where it kind of evaluates our relationship to our media and what does it mean like are these hmm. real characters that we're looking at and you know maybe they're real because we 
attribute some form of realness to them. It gets pretty meta in a lot of ways, and I think it's really well written. It's also uh, drawn by the people that did the Avatar comics, so it has this kind of fun, almost childish animation quality to it. It's a pretty short run. I think it's only 25 comics, but it's really, really fun if you have access to Marvel Unlimited or if you like reading uh, like actual paper comics. That's Gwenpool. And I think this is a really, really fun series. I don't think it's technically canon in Marvel 616, but it's a really fun checkout, and I had a really good time reading it. I think I read that over like two days, so I definitely recommend that. Nice. Always love getting some uh, non-movie stuff into what we've been watching. It's always fun. Okay. Now it's my turn. I have three minutes starting now. Um, okay, so what have I been watching? So I uh, want to call out I watched season two of True Detective. Huge fan of True Detective season one. I've seen it multiple times all the way through. Um, but I'd never seen seasons two or three. Um, so I decided to check out season, season two. Uh, and uh, fun fact about season two, it's directed by the same guy that directs the Fast and Furious movies, um, which if you know anything <laughs> about True Detective is kind of a surprise because it's kind of like a slow burn drama. Um, but I think he did a pretty pretty good job. Um, but uh, season two, it's uh, starring Colin Farrell and Vince Vaughn. Nice to see both of them in dramatic roles. I think they both kill it, honestly. Uh, Colin Farrell pulls off a really convincing American accent. Uh, Vince Vaughn is a really cool kind of gangster type. Um, I, 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 I don't, I don't want to spoil too much, but he has some like really surprisingly good moments throughout the series. Uh, so it's completely disconnected from season one, as far as I can tell, uh, but definitely worth a watch. Not quite the same thing, not as horror-leaning as the first season was, uh, but still really fun and a little bit of like a wider scope than the first season. Um, so that was really cool. Uh, besides that, I also decided to check out a Watcher series that I hadn't seen any of yet. It's called Weird Wonderful World, and it, it's uh, just a show where the two hosts, Shane and Ryan, go around to various parks and eating establishments and shops and just check them out. And they have a goofy time, and it's really it's it's really heartwarming to watch. It's it, it's it's like it's like a it's like eating grandma's soup, you know, it, it, it makes you feel good. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, definitely recommend checking that out if you're, if you're into, like, you know, hosted content sort of stuff. Um, and then I needed some more Ryan and Shane in my life because I love those guys. Ryan and Shane, if you're listening, feel free to ask for a, a guest spot on this show. But anyway, <laughs> needed some more of their content in my life. Uh, so I watched uh, what's out there, uh, the latest season of BuzzFeed Unsolved. Um, big fan of BuzzFeed Unsolved. Um, not a huge BuzzFeed content guy in general, but BuzzFeed Unsolved is like a really fun take on the true crime format. They kind of throw some comedy in there, um, which sounds a little bit irreverent, but it makes it a bit, of an, a bit of an easier watch. And they have some fun cases this season. I won't spoil any of it, but definitely worth checking out. Um, nice. And then uh, besides that, uh, last thing I did this week, also not a movie like Keegan, I, uh, I beat Yakuza Kiwami 2. Um, now, Kiwami means extreme, and I have to say that Yakuza Kiwami 2 really lived up to that uh, extreme name. Um, I won't spoil the ending. Uh, I'm going to wait until my, my special Patreon feature on the Yakuza series for that. But man, oh man, was I excited to start Yakuza 3. So I did it the same night, and I'm really enjoying that. Um, but yeah, that's what I've been watching slash playing this week. It's been, it's been pretty good. Nice. Hank, did you did you watch the weird, wonderful world where they went to the soda? Shop? Oh yeah. 
so fun. That's it's yeah. it's a great episode. Yeah, it actually, I, there's a soda shop in Kirkland that is not nearly as big, but kind of reminds me of that. And so it was kind of like a little bit of, uh, for viewers that don't know, I grew up in a town called Kirkland. But uh, anyway. Um, K-Town. Yeah, K-Town, that's what we called it. That was actually the name, <laughs> that was actually the name of like a uh, middle schooler club in Kirkland, K-Town. Nice, um, nice. Uh, and when They're I say club, Korean I mean like for a, some reason? <laughs> no, it's ketamine. It's ketamine. It's all oh, ketamine. Geez, <laughs> no, sorry. It's very different. It, it's it it's not all ketamine. <laughs> you don't put but, ketamine uh, in your kimchi? Makes it way wilder of an experience. But anyway, <laughs> that, that was what we've been watching. And I feel like uh, I think it's time to get into the actual review. You guys Let's agree? Let's do it. Let's yeah. do it. Apps are fruit. Sweet. So... Um, for those of uh, for those of you watching that have been here with us for a while, you know what the format is. But for anyone new, uh, we do our reviews in two sections. The first section is spoiler free. We just talk about you know the cinematography, the costuming, the performances, stuff we can talk about without spoiling the whole dang movie. Um, and then once we've had enough of that, we move on to a spoiler section. We'll give you plenty of warning before we start spoiling things. And if you haven't seen the movie, that's a good point to put it on pause. Go check it out if the spoiler-free section made it sound like something you want to watch. And then you can come back, hear the last half of the, uh, of the review. It's all good stuff. So, starting off with spoiler-free discussion. I'm going to hand it over to my co-host here in a minute. But first, I'm going to read the IMDb blurb of the movie. So, uh... So y'all know what you're getting into. So, this is the IMDb blurb for Black Death. Set during the time of the first outbreak of bu- not bu- bubonic plague in England, a young monk is given the task of learning the truth about reports of people being brought back to life in a small village. Um, so yeah, you know, from that you can get, you know, it's kind of a period piece. It's got kind of a, an investigation bent to it. Um, and I think it's really fun. But I'm, I'm uh, maybe fun's not the right word. But I'm excited <laughs> to hear my co-host's thoughts. So uh, who, who did I have uh, do what we've been watching first? Was that Taylor? I think it was me. Yeah. Yeah. So Keegan, why don't you, why don't you bring us in? I know that this is uh, your type of movie. Yeah, Hank. I, I know you jest, but so <laughs> you know, usually the movies that Hank recommends, like I, I will not watch them on my television because I know they're going to be really scary. I watch them on my laptop, and I tell my girlfriend, don't look at my laptop for the next two hours. It's a Hank week. She goes, I understand. <laughs> she will leave the room or we'll, we'll do something else. So usually these movies made me feel uh, pretty rough. I get kind of a stomach ache from a lot of Hank recommendations. And I gotta say, man, this is next to maybe Suspiria. I think this might be my favorite of the Hank recommendations. And I think there's we can get into this later and i'm sure we will this this movie doesn't really rely on cheesy gore or things that are really over the top i mean it, it has those right it wouldn't be a hank week without them but <laughs> this isn't really the main premise of the movie i think this is kind of a script heavy movie uh and i think it's really fun I, you said fun in a joking manner but of all the movies you've made us watch i think this is the most easy breezy kind of fun light cover girl movie you recommend it and i had a really good time watching it like i i think it you know it is a period piece but it doesn't take itself very seriously as a period piece i think you know sean bean is talking in a way that i would imagine british people kind of talk now like it doesn't really stick to the colloquialisms of what i would imagine a true 17th century monk or warrior would talk like right it's not so inaccessible that you can't just watch it 
with some subtitles and, and you know easily understand what's going on it's 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 an older it, it, it's a period piece in the way the game of thrones is a period piece and that you know yes it's set there but it's not so difficult to follow along with you know linguistically which i i really appreciate because i'm you know kind of dumb when it comes to these old british uh or <laughs> european productions like that but you know this is a really fun movie and i think it's acted really well i, I brought up game of thrones earlier but we have similar actors uh, you know across the board pulling in you know these are, are actors that are obviously very capable. Sean Bean's been in Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, right? Some some real heavyweights and some fun scripts. This is a, an interesting movie through and through. So I was pleasantly surprised, Hank. I'm always kind of uh, dreading throwing these on. But I came away from this movie really happy that I watched it. Well, I'm glad to hear that uh, I've, I've finally gone a week without scarring <laughs> Keegan for life. <laughs> All right, Taylor, what did you think? You watched it too? I, yeah. I, yeah, I, I I loved this movie, but not as much as I loved Keegan describing it as a lighthearted cover girl kind of movie, which is <laughs> it's, it's so telling about Hank Weeks that this movie, which has fucking Iron Maidens and torture scenes and like all this shit, and Keegan's like, oh, this was sweet. This was nice. Uh, but I know I love this movie, man. I love period pieces, whether they're, uh, they're fantasy or not. Um, and I know you said the, you're right. It's like modern English. Um, that maybe is the one thing I would change about it if I could, where I want some like real hard to, to parse old English. I want to, I want to be tempted to turn the subtitles on, but I don't want to quite have to turn them on. That That's what I'm looking for. So I still, I still loved it. Um, and I, I even, one of the things I, I wrote down to call out was the pacing of, of the dialogue does feel older to me there. It's very, people are very terse, kind of laconic. There's a lot of pauses, a lot of things people say that doesn't require a response from anybody else. And I don't know if obviously, and you know, in 1300, that's how people talked, but I kind of always imagined it was like, sort of like a true grit, right? Where they don't use any contractions at all. The di- I, I love that. I love these kind of weird accents. I love this, this, sparse language from a much you know simpler rougher time um everything else you said keegan i agree with i i i I love the acting um the cinematography didn't stand out to me but i thought it did exactly what i wanted it to um it showed all the action i you know oftentimes movies rely on these fast cuts when there's action so you don't really quite know what's going on and and i this doesn't do that as much so you can kind of get a feel for how these fights are happening and that kind of lends itself to desperation more and i think that just totally adds to the story um where everything's kind of spooky and you're not quite sure why all the characters that you still you feel like they have more of an understanding than we do of what's going on but they're still quite not sure exactly what's going on um and you know to to i I had seen this movie before but to revisit revisit it after having lived through a plague um i i just identified a lot more with (laughs) especially those first scenes like in the city uh when you know he's seeing the plague ravaging people um you know obviously that was not like our experience but just a little little insight into what that world might have been like um so yeah i i love this movie i would watch it again um and the ending is is terrific Uh, the ending is just is just incredible um i didn't see it coming the first time i watched it at all didn't even think it was a possibility um so yeah I, i would highly recommend this movie to anybody and like he said if you're not 
if, you, if you're maybe a little turned off by the idea of like a period piece or historical thing, I don't think let that stop you. I, I think this is like a good introduction into that. Um, and it'll feel familiar if you're just, you know, a, a normal consumer of, of modern movies. Yeah. Glad to hear you guys enjoyed it. I uh, always feels good to pick something <laughs> that, uh, you know, if people aren't just like, I was clawing my eyes the whole time. Um, <laughs> I threw up five times. Yeah. yeah, no, glad to hear you guys enjoyed it. I picked this movie because I like it a lot. Um, I like stuff that's set, you know, kind of back in ye olden days. Um, I like Sean Bean. Um, and, uh, yeah, this movie's got a lot of stuff I like in it. Uh, you know, it's set in a time period that we honestly don't get that many movies uh, set in that aren't, like, I, I was going to say, like, steamy period dramas, but, like, this particular time period isn't isn't where we get the, the, the steamy period dramas. But, you know, the costuming is similar. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's set in a time period we don't get a lot of movies in. Um, it uh, doesn't really fit cleanly into one genre, which I like. You know, like, it kind of watches, like, a fantasy movie, but it's a lot darker than your average fantasy movie, and it kind of watches, like, a horror movie, but it it doesn't really have any horror tropes uh, besides maybe, like, some color palette selections and stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I really like all that stuff about it. Like Taylor said, the cinematography, it's, you know, I've picked a lot of movies that I think have very artful cinematography. They have some, like, really bold and creative shots that I like. This isn't one of those movies, but it really didn't need to be. Um, it's, 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 it's really, like Keegan said, a bit more of a script-heavy film. Um, there's a plot to follow. There's some kind of, like, differing character motivations that get unveiled for you at different points throughout the movie. Won't go into that in too much detail now. But there's, you know, there's some good script to follow. There's some good plot to follow. The dialogue's kind of fun. The actors all have great deliveries, uh, fun voices to listen to. They do fun shit with, like, their teeth, making them look really nasty and old-timey. Oh, they have good yeah. costumes. You know, the carts are rickety and wooden, and everything feels very, you know, physical in the movie. And they do all the shooting, you know, like, in, like, stone cities or, like, out in the woods. Um, and I don't think they used a lot of sets for this movie. I, I think that a, a significant amount of the, 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 the shooting was actually done, like, on, on site. Not necessarily, like, in the specific location that they claim to be, but, like, out in a location rather than, like, a soundstage. Um, so, yeah, it's just, it's a fun watch. Uh, I, you know... I, I think it's actually a pretty good movie. Uh, like I said, like there are a couple things that are, uh, you know, like the cinematography is just okay. But overall, I think it's really well constructed. I think it does something a lot that's pretty different to a lot of stuff you get. You know, it's not as like, it's not trying to be as like titillating as like Game of Thrones. It's not trying to be as like adventury as Lord of the Rings. Um, it's kind of got its own thing going on, which I really appreciate. I was actually just looking at it on IMDb. It only has a 6.4 out of 10 average on IMDb, which I feel is uh, maybe not completely unfair, but a bit lower than I give it. I, I, I think this movie's a solid 7.5. Um, you know, it's, it's worth watching. It doesn't overstay its welcome. I really dig it. And so I was glad to hear my, my co-host did, too. Um, yeah, but overall, if you're into that sort of thing, it's worth watching. Um, it's worth mentioning, I think that uh, if you're worried because we've said it has some kind of horror elements and because it is about the Black, the black Plague, uh, if you're worried about it being, like, really gross, like, it's not that violent. There are definitely some violent scenes. There's some blood in it. But you're not getting people, like, hacked limb from limb like every other scene. Uh, it, it does happen on occasion. Keegan's giving me a look. But it's, it, you know, there, there are a few 
fairly dispersed violent scenes in the movie. They don't spend like a lot of time like looking at plague victims and like zooming in on their buboes, like spewing pus or anything. Like they don't really linger on the gross stuff too much. It is yeah. there, but it's not really the focus of what's going on. Like really kind of there's a mystery going on that's what you're there for, and I think they play it well. Um, yeah. And that's my feeling about the movie. Like, it's not a movie that's going to, you know, end movies for you. It's not going to be the last, like, you know, movie about old England that you need to watch. But it's really worth watching. If you're a horror fan, if you're kind of a fantasy fan, or if you just like historical movies, definitely check it out. Um, and I think it's only like an hour 40 minutes, right? Like, that's a it's very palatable yeah. that's a very palatable length a lot of these movies you know you, you get someone in armor and you're like we need at least two hours it took us two hours to get them in the armor <laughs> we had to rent this shit we're gonna get um, our money's worth <laughs> yeah so i i think it's 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 nice of them to give us an, an hour 40 that's that's palatable yeah um, and and you're, you're right yeah. it, there's there's like rough scenes of violence because you know this is times were rougher there was more violence going around and there was a plague it was terrible right and a real a proper plague right where a quarter of the people just died um and so they, they show you enough of that hard stuff to let you like really feel like that's what's going on here this is a shitty time but not so much where it's off-putting or unpalatable or anything like that yeah, it's not like Suspiria where you get like a solid scene of just meaty thumps on a wooden floor. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, none don't of that. call it that. Ugh. <laughs> I, I will say, you said you said there's nothing super gross. I will say, just generally, any movie that shows British people's teeth is uh, just generally kind of uncomfy to me. <laughs> I don't, you know, you said that was a kind of a production design choice. I don't. I think that's just their teeth, man. I think that's just kind of how they choose to let them look. Okay, we're going to need to bleep out a significant portion of this episode if Keegan's going to stay on this tack. No, no, we're no, no. Get here's banned. the thing. Here's the thing. In England. We're huge. For people that don't know, we are actually a very popular podcast in India. So, I think we should keep that in. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> and Ireland as well. So, we're really targeting the people that don't. No, I, I, I think Hank's right. I think, I think they, made it, they made it look dirty and shitty because that's what was going on i like i love so these guys all have armor right you got sean bean he's in proper plate armor some of the other guys maybe have like a chest piece or some mail or whatever else it's like a hodgepodge and it's all dirty and crappy and i think that just totally encapsulates the environment that everything's in right like everything's just hard and i and i think every bit of the movie did a good job of conveying that for me yeah and I really did like the costuming they did for this movie. I, I honestly don't know how accurate it is for, you know, England during the plague. Uh, but what I will say is, like, historically, you know, like, in a lot of fantasy movies, you get people wearing, like, these nice matching suits of armor. They have, like, full male shirts on. It. But that didn't really happen a lot historically. You had some, like, rich landed nobility that were able to do that. But a lot of times in history, if you were a soldier, you were having either what a lord could afford to provide you or what you could afford to provide yourself in terms of arms and armor. So sometimes it's nice to see a movie where they're like, yeah, they can afford one piece of metal that covers the most vital bits because, you know, that's that's, that's kind of what you'd be seeing. So it's not like the most historically accurate movie out there as far as I know, but it is nice to see kind of some nods to, to historicity like that. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's yeah, all no, you need for me. I don't need everything to be totally period, but I need you to at least acknowledge that that's, you know, I don't know. Yeah, and, you know, I think that's like exemplifying the fact that, at the you know, when we move into the second arc and we get to the city where people are clean, 
it's jarring because you spent the first act with these dirty, gross motherfuckers, and you're like, oh my god, these people, it's weird that these guys are bathing and their hair looks clean. So, yeah, mm -hmm. it, it does a good job of, of, of demonstrating how gross this situation was for most of these people. Yeah. Yeah. Urban life used to suck. And with that, I mean, <laughs> depending on who you ask, it still do. Um, but, uh, anyway, with that, that's all I have to say without spoiling the movie. I, I've mentioned there's kind of a mystery going on. I've danced around it, and I want to get into it. I want to talk yeah. about where the plot goes. So I think this is where we're going to move on to spoilers, if that's okay with my co-hosts. Let's do it. You all right. Then, then in that case, if you haven't seen the movie, you think you're going to, pause here. I'll give you a second. Okay. That was your second. If you're still here, you're about to be spoiled. I warned you. With that, we're in the spoiler section. So... For those of you that stuck around, uh, you know, I know for Fast 9, we didn't bother describing the plot of the movie, because why would you? Um, but for this one, I'm going to give it a quick rundown, quick run back, just so you know, you know, so we're all on the same page here. So the movie is centered around a young monk played by Eddie Redmayne, who is, uh, you know, he's, he's living in, a, in an abbey during the Black Plague. He's, uh, you know, doing monkly things which you know seems to be mostly praying and sneaking off to break his vows and see a young woman um, but anyway the young woman tries to convince him to run away from the abbey life so he can be with her and he's like oh no that'd be betraying god um, and she says well i'm going to be waiting for you some such place uh, while that happens a uh, wandering group of men who are essentially mercenaries though uh, officially are envoys of the bishop come by and they say they're they're hunting witches they've been given a, a, a mission from the bishop of, of england or something uh to go find this village where supposedly the plague is not touching it and they're raising people from the dead um clearly witchcraft um but they need Duh. someone they need someone to guide them there eddie redmayne the young monk does not know where this village is but he sees it as an opportunity to get out of the abbey and he's like oh i know where this village is he ends up accompanying these kind of gruff mercenary types um, to, you know, and he's leading them to where he's supposed to meet up with his young love. Arrives to find that she has already been there and apparently died. He just finds like a bloody scrap of her clothing, ends up getting some of the mercenaries killed by the same brigands that, that apparently killed his love. Um, and the mercenaries are very pissed when they realize he doesn't know where the village is. And they're like, okay, you can either come with us the rest of the way or we can leave you here to die. He ends up accompanying them. They find the village. And it's very clear that something is amiss, at least from their point of view. Uh, there, there is no plague in the village. Everyone's clean, as Keegan mentioned. There's merrymaking abounding. They have drink. They have, you know, beautiful people dancing. It's very nice. Um, but of course... Being soldiers of God, this is a clear sign that uh, the devil is here. So the, the men continue to investigate, um, and it, it, it becomes apparent that someone is doing something that looks like witchcraft. Uh, kind of the matriarch of the village takes Eddie Redmayne, reveals that she is like risen his girlfriend from the dead uh, at the same time the men are all put the the mercenaries i should say are all put in a cage because it's very clear that they've come here to kill the matriarch of the village for witchcraft um there's a whole scene where the villagers are trying to get them to renounce god some of them do some of them don't and anyway it all turns into a fucking bloodbath the the you know 
The mercenaries end up killing a bunch of people. The people end up killing a bunch of mercenaries. The only survivors end up being the matriarch of the village who runs away after revealing that she actually was not a witch. She just, she just basically pretended to be a witch so that the, uh, the, the villagers would, you know, esteem her. Um, and the, the village just didn't have the plague because it was remote, which makes sense. Um, they're in the middle of a swamp. Yeah, they're in the middle of a swamp. The rats aren't coming. Um, but uh, <laughs> anyway, so uh, turns out there wasn't a witchcraft, but they managed to kill a nice village anyway. Um, and then the young monk, played by Eddie Redmayne, and the oldest mercenary are the only survivors. They get, like, the uh, the headman or the alderman of the village. Uh, they take him back to the abbey. And then the young monk is so just distraught by this. He ended up, I, I forgot to mention, he ended up killing his girlfriend because she was brought back to life by witchcraft. It was revealed that she was not brought back to life by witchcraft. She was just drugged and woke up. Um, but he ended up killing her because devilry was afoot. This breaks his mind. He spends the rest of his life hunting witches and brutally torturing them, torturing them in an effort to find the matriarch of this village who, who you know, so wronged him. Um, so anyway, kind of a dark ending. That's what happened in the movie. Um, That's great. What, what more do you want? That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Um, so for me, I thought this is a really, again, I'm going to say fun, but you have to realize I have, I have a horrible <laughs> sense of fun. I think it's, you know, kind of a fun, uh, fun you know, they, they keep you on your feet about whether witchcraft is real or not in this universe. They have kind of like some, you know, some things that aren't witchcraft that are clearly evil happening they finally get to the place where witchcraft is happening and it's like maybe it's real but it seems like it might be a good thing like they kind of keep you going back and forth they finally reveal it's real and then they have a pretty convincing pulling out of the rug from under you where they're like no it wasn't real of course it wasn't she was just drugged drugs exist um so i really liked the plot of this movie you know i think it keeps me going back and forth and there aren't any obvious glaring holes um which are like two things I want from a plot. I want it to keep me interested and not have obvious glaring holes. So I was really into that. I thought they pulled it off really well. Co-hosts, what do you think? Keegan, why don't you start us off? Man, that's a, that's a really good a synopsis of the plot. I mean, I feel like the bloodbath scene is is a little longer, and I feel like there's some, some fun breaking between the characters. We both have to see, like, who is going to be Christian and who is going to be a bad Christian and, and repent and try to get their lives back. Other than that, man, it's, a, it's pretty succinct. Um, yeah, no, I think overall, I, I don't really know. I think this is a pretty interesting payoff. I think it, it's, it's a cool kind of showing of, like, old-timey PTSD, right? They're not really in a war, but, like, this, this kind of ex example of, like, some guy who's been through hell and, you know, whether he knows it or not, he killed the love of his life and uh, he kind of has to atone for that. I think the ending of it is, is pretty dark and I was kind of on board with this, you know, maybe there is witches and I kind of thought that up very, up, very, very close to the end. I was on board with witches and I think... It's, it's this weird scenario, right, where this movie came before Game of Thrones, but the fact of the matter is that the woman that plays the matriarch and the witch is... Is it the Red Witch she plays the in, red woman. in Game of Thrones? Yeah. The Red Woman, who Melisandre? brings Jon Snow back to life. And I think this is this fun kind of, like, post-movie meta-analysis, but we become accustomed to her being the Red Woman who can bring people back to life. And I think, you know, an actress can carry that into a prior role. And so I, I just kind of <clears throat> attributed that to her. And obviously there is the whole idea that she had drugged the girl to, you know, subdue her during that night. But 
really, I was on board with the whole wish theme, and then, like, you know, the idea of whether she got away or not. I think the whole him hunting down these women was was interesting and at one point he chains her up and he's like interrogate her it's definitely her and then ultimately i think they end up killing her and he moves on to find different women and they look like her and you get that boom reveal where it looks like her in a field you know gathering and it seems like she had moved on to another settlement and then it flips and then it's just this completely different actress who is just has no idea what's going on and this kind of idea that he becomes so fixated on tracking down the woman that is the cause of all of his grief is so so interesting so i agree man that that twist that you get throughout the end is really really good um and the only other thing that i'd like to to jump in on is i think that whole long drawn out scene where we have our mercenaries hiding or not hiding but sitting in a tub of water and one by one being drawn out to see whether or not they're going to repent or they're going to you know stay true and be a christian is really really again i don't want to say fun but it's a really tense scene and seeing you know which of these guys is going to cave which isn't is is a lot of fun and, and you know we're in spoilers now so the guy that that ultimately does repent and you're like good for him they're definitely they're, they're gonna let him go right and then they just hang him in the forest where they can't see uh is it's it's pretty bleak but Again, it, it's a really fun sequence, and Sean Bean's, you know, they saved the most gory kill for him, and that, that horse thing is, you know, you said it isn't too gory, but it's pretty fucked up, man. It's 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 a gnarly sequence through and through. But again, I I think there's some fun stuff here, and that, that third arc gets really fun with the whole witch hunting stuff, for sure. Hank, Hank did say that you don't see people get torn from limb from limb in multiple scenes. Just the one scene. You don't, you don't see just one time you get a pass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If it, you know, if it's just one time, it's pretty much a family film at this point. It's just, it's just good old fashioned. This, this movie is like grandma's soup. It's just, mm, just what you want. Yeah. It makes you feel good to watch it. You know, like, <laughs> yeah but uh yeah uh, taylor wh what did you think i i i want to give you some time to to unpack the plot for us did it sit right with you you were satisfied by it oh just like keegan they had me i was like yeah this is witchcraft obviously this is witchcraft <laughs> this lady needs to burn and and even even when she was revealing that she i mean and to, to be clear, they do set it up a little bit. When they first get to the village, um, one of the guys is injured, the, the monk. Um, and so she takes him to a little hut and she has all these plants and she's making like medicinal stuff for him to like fix his wound. And he's like, oh, it totally works. There's no pain anymore. And she's like, nature has a lot to offer. And so like they kind of set up this idea that she knows how to drug people. She knows she can get plants to do all of that. So they do kind of make it believable. But even when he's chasing her at the very end and she's saying, I'm not a witch, you idiot. There was, this is a terrible time people needed someone to look up to i gave them a cause to live for i made up this whole witch stuff even still i was like nah she needs to burn i don't know about this lady <laughs> i i don't know about her um i i i think the plot really works for me like i said they totally got me i, I totally fell for uh, the twist at the end um and the only thing the only things that I would have wanted, I just wanted more things, right? I wanted more backstory and character development on all these mercenary guys because every single one of them was a character, right? They all had different motivations. Some of them were seemingly terrible people. Some of them were people with a family just trying to make money. I wanted more of those stories. Um, and I, I think it, you know, they obviously pay off those stories with this kind of jail torture scene, right? At the very end when 
the the cell that all these mercenaries are put in by the villagers is uh, they're up to sort of their chest or higher in water, cold freezing water. So they're kind of, you know, they're tied up in there, but otherwise they're kind of at, you know, hip height from someone standing outside of the cell. So really uncomfortable. Um, and we get to see these people's characters manifest themselves in this terrible situation. So I just wanted more about the characters. Um, one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is um, when they're on the road to this village, the monk has joined them, these witch hunters, um, and they come across uh, some seemingly regular, you know, peasant type people, and they are uh, tying up a woman on a post to burn her because they're screaming that she's a witch. Um, and so the the monk runs in to try to save her, and so the the witch hunters and Sean Bean come in to kind of assist the monk, um, and. It seems pretty obvious that Sean Bean, he's a witch hunter. He knows this lady ain't a witch, right? He, he knows it. Um, and so he cuts her down from the post and he's kind of taking her away from the crowd and there's kind of silence and the crowd's kind of upset that he's doing this. Um, and then he stabs her in the stomach and throws her on the ground. And he then explains to the monk, he's like, if I'd let her live, they would just capture her and do that again. Like this is a, this is village life, baby. I mean, she where's where she gonna go, right? <laughs> if the village has decided that she's a witch, that's it. And it was sort of in some way like eth ethics in a way, like applied ethics. Like he knows she ain't a witch, but you know, I think he, I don't know, maybe he cuts her throat, but he kills her in a way that's less painful than the burning, and maybe he tamps down on the emotions of the villagers. It was just a lot of complexity in uh, a, a, almost a throwaway scene otherwise, right? It wasn't a part of the wider plot or anything. Um, so there's a lot of little moments like that that kind of just reveal who these characters are and kind of puts you in this world. Um, and all of that was great for me. I wanted, if anything, more of that. Um, the only thing, the only thing that didn't quite work for me was the monk's, monk's, uh, love interest. Um, I, I thought we just, we didn't, we didn't need that reason to get him out of the monastery. I thought we could have had a different reason. Like maybe he doesn't get along with the abbot or whatever it is. Um, but you know, that here today, gone tomorrow, once, once she's dead, uh, he then just is off on his quest to kill this figment of the red woman in his mind um so it didn't it didn't ruin anything for me it was just a little tiny little tiny thing i would change if, if i if anybody cared what i thought about it yeah and so yeah that's that's kind of my overall impression of the movie <laughs> yeah you know i actually uh i hadn't really thought about it too much before but it, now that you bring up his love interest it, it was kind of weird because like i feel like his motivation going with them is really poorly fleshed out in like the first act of the movie where he's like yeah I'm just going to meet up with her it's like what do you gain from being with these mercenaries they're going to be very angry when they realize you've just left to meet up with your love interest that's not going like, to what sit is best right case them. scenario here right? yeah like like best case scenario is probably terrible um, I'm not they sure run away how and get married together or something. Yeah, I... like, <laughs> but uh, but you know his motivation in the later part of the movie, where it's like, well, I'm basically your prisoner now. Like I have no choice to go for you. That part is very clear. But I I feel like yeah, if they'd done something other than the the love interest, they could have cleared up that muddy water. And I don't know if they would have lost too much with that ending sequence. They still could have broken his faith in some other way. Um, so yeah, I think that's apt, Taylor. I think that's apt. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So 
man, this might be this might be a short one because I, I think I've said all all I can about the movie. The plot's satisfying. Everything is good about it with me, other than you know, like the cinematography is somewhat unexciting. But that's just because I watch a ton of art film. Um, is there anything else <laughs> you guys think that we just need to touch on, or do you think we've sold the movie? Yeah. Well, I, I have a question for you guys. Um, I because you know when you, you you called out the IMDb rating, um, I, I've seen that elsewhere. It's not a well-reviewed movie it's not considered terrible but it, it doesn't you know it's not getting eights and nines out of tens um and i kind of get why it doesn't while i like the movie and i like the nuts and bolts of it and the story is something i'm here for i, I love the idea of mining history for stories i think there's so many interesting stories that have already happened that you don't even need necessarily to come up with your own plot you can just pick stuff from history and put it on screen um so i like all that but there's not this spark that really just makes it like a, a great you know a nine out of ten movie um and i don't know what it is I, I i don't know quite what it is is it the characterization i don't think it's the acting or, or anything else so what do you guys think might be the reason that people don't see this and just fall in love with it um i think that i think a lot of it actually might be kind of what you brought up with like the love interest like the nuts and bolts of it all works you know but it, it feels to me like the whole movie is kind of there to get to that payoff at the end and while they do do some good things with kind of the tension along the way there it's kind of you have to have already decided you want to be there like the movie mm. like until that payoff at the end isn't really like drawing you along it's like okay you're already here and we can show you some things that you'll enjoy but we're not going to show you something that you're like i need to be here for another 10 minutes like it's just going to be like if you've already decided to spend that 10 minutes you're going to enjoy it but hmm. like I, I don't think that like until the payoff it's that compelling on its own it's kind of loose you know like it, like you know the the priest the monk decides to leave the abbey to pursue his love and you don't you don't really care but you're like oh you know i'll, I'll see where this goes but it's not quite compelling enough where you're like i need to know what does he find her yeah. so i think that uh it's just they have like one really compelling point of the movie and they constructed a bunch of other stuff to get there that's not not compelling but it's not really compelling yeah like the the plague element right we we, we see it in the beginning and it is obviously driving the plot forward that's why we're doing all of this right but we don't we don't really interact with it much you know beyond that initial bit i mean there's a couple scenes somebody gets the plague whatever else but it's not it, it doesn't it, it doesn't come up enough i think especially if you're going to call the movie black death but keegan what do, you, what do you think what's what's missing from this movie that would push it to a higher rating yeah i actually kind of would like to offer a, a, a different thought maybe i don't you know, maybe it's just a guess or a hypothesis, but I think, you know, Hank, you said this movie came out in 2009. I think as we exit the odds and move into the 2010s, I think we're kind of looking at a different trend in horror movies. And we're looking at the emergence of A24 and we move into The Witch and a lot of, you know, more kind of heady horror movies. And I think something that would have pushed this movie into more cultural relevance would have been if it doubled down more on this witch aspect and i think i don't want to call the movie boring but i think it takes kind of a straight line approach and it takes kind of more grounded position on this that right there there is no witchcraft in this all of this is you know i don't want to say in his head but some of it's imagined some of it is you know 
pushed on him by other people that are wanting him to think that they're witches. But ultimately, this is all explainable, and, and he has his own mental traumas that he deals with afterwards, and that's what we get into with the kind of epilogue. But I think were it to double down and, you know, this woman really is a witch, as we see literally in, you know, is it Robert Eggers, the witch? I think Robert Eggers is the guy that directed it, but his version of the witch, right? We, we see a similar path of all these things that could be explainable, but maybe they are supernatural. We get to the final scene, and it actually is a coven of witches that are guiding all of these events. I think if, if it would have taken that more far-fetched, more kind of out-there artistic side, it would have been something that had a little bit more staying power. But because of the fact that I think it chose to double down on the main character and how he's kind of seeing things and, and his, you know, I guess, post-evaluation of what he interprets to be a witch... I think that is like what ultimately kind of holds it back from being this big nine, ten out of ten movie. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think you're right, and I think that the kind of redeeming factor for me and the fact that it wasn't witches was that it makes oh this could have been something that actually happened, right? Like people people yeah. could be driven so nuts as we've seen in our own experience, and so nuts by plague and calamity that they start to do crazy things like burn people or whatever else. Um, but it didn't, you know, as much as as much as talk as there is about God, uh, we don't really get that delve into the real the psyche of what it means to believe uh, and the things that that can make you do. So yeah, or to be it, even like pushed on your belief, right? Like like Scorsese's silence, yeah. right? We don't see that long drawn out testing of your faith. And, and on top of that, like if you're going to have something that's about kind of the interplay between like faith and like having your faith challenged. I think it kind of weakens the movie that we already start with a monk who has broken his vows. Like, it's already established that he's on rocky ground with God, like, from the very beginning. Like, one of the first things we see him do is meet up with his lover and talk about how he's betrayed God. And so I think yeah. that, you know, they just, they, they kind of left, like, the faith string too slack. You know, there was never, like, any worry about it, like, snapping. It was just kind of, they dropped it, you know? Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think yeah. you're right. Yeah, so I, 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 I think I think in some ways that maybe my positive feelings for the movie are just because I love this historical shit. I love I love the dialogue being a little funky. I love like one of my favorite lines is almost a nothing line. It's when uh, the monk is leaving and the abbot says to him, you know, whatever happens to you out there, whatever you see, it will change you. And I just and I think that that's just such 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 a great such a great little thing that you know gives you a bit of foreshadowing of what's going to happen to this character but also is like a universal little bit of wisdom that everything that happens to you everything you see it does change you a little bit become a slightly different person so there's a lot of little moments in this movie that i, I really love yeah hank i mean you may have to cut this out afterwards another line that i really stuck with me is uh there's a scene where they're all kind of you know a lot of the mercenaries are making out with the local women and they're all kind of just getting drunk and hanging out and a woman approaches one of the mercenaries and she's like why are you not interested and he goes i'm ugly and i'm christian and I, you know in my experience of you know growing up in a small town i just i don't see that as a limiting factor for someone you know i you know growing up in a small town that's something i saw a lot of ugly christians <laughs> having a lot of fun so i don't know very very weird <laughs> took me out of it <laughs> yeah you know, I think that uh, <clears throat> this conversation has kind of brought me to the conclusion that this movie is kind of, you know, a lot of those great movies, you know, they've got 
a lot of parts in them, and they might be really good parts of the movie, and they might be middling parts of the movie, but the movie is more than the sum of its parts in those 9 out of 10, 10 out of 10 cases. I think this movie has a lot of great parts to it, but it is just the sum of its parts. It doesn't really rise above being more than the, the sum of its parts. Like, you know, the sum of its parts is great, but it's not something that we're like, wow, that really transcended just like all of the individual components that put it together. It's kind of made up by its components, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right. There's yeah. not synergy. Yeah. yeah. All right. Let's, uh, let's rate this bad boy. Let's rate this sucker. So, uh, Taylor, why don't you get us started off? Ooh. <clears throat> I am going to give this movie eight out of 10 torture devices that cunt you from taint to mouth. I, I, as, as all the problems I have this movie, things I might change, a little nitpicking thing here. I, this is the meat of what I want in a movie. I don't want Fast and the Furious physics defying nonsense. I want stuff that informs my present with fictionalized lessons from the past. So, eight out of 10, I loved it. Nice. Kigi. Yeah, no, and I think we got into this kind of place later in the conversation about. You know, and I think some of our things that we said were a little, I don't want to say unfair, but I think we, we kind of picked it apart a little bit, maybe to a degree that it didn't necessarily deserve. Um, and I don't want them to come across as my general thoughts. I think this movie is a lot of fun. I think there are some things that, you know, maybe keep it back from being one of those movies that a lot of critics look back on as being this maybe cult classic or, or being super lasting in the general eye. But overall, I think this is a really good movie, man. I, I would give this a 3.75 severed fingers out of five. Um, I think there's a <laughs> lot of redeeming things here. Um, and overall, like you said, I think if you're looking for kind of historical semi-horror drama, you can't really go wrong with picking this movie. And something I don't think we touched on is this is a really interesting director. I think it's Chris something. I will... Uh, Maybe we could fix this in post. But, I mean, he's done some really interesting movies. Severance, Triangle. This is a guy who mm. kind of likes to take the horror genre and, and throw it in a different direction. So while this isn't necessarily a direct horror movie, I think it's a really cool blending of, of a modern, uh, you know, it's a modern historical piece with some, you know, horror elements. And I think it's definitely a worthwhile watch. So I'm definitely happy I checked it out. This is, you know, of the Hank recommendations, <laughs> probably one of my favorites for sure. Yeah, me too. Well, for my rating, you know, I like this movie. I recommended it. I don't think it's any surprise to people that I like it. Um, but I think that if I have to, you know, give it a rating, I give it like 666 out of <laughs> 700 uh, sexy foreign witches. <laughs> <laughs> they come from France where all evil things come from. <laughs> you know, I think, I think we tend to pick apart the movies we like. Have you guys noticed that? I agree. That if it's like a really yeah. bad movie, we're just like, eh, yeah, yeah. but if it's a good movie, we're like, let's really find all the little nuggets. Yeah, I mean, I it's, it's the movies you like that you pay enough attention to to pick apart, you know? I think one of my favorite episodes is Porco Rosso, and I was re-listening, and I think we get to a point, right, where everyone has established that we're kind of gushing over this movie and we love it, but it's like, where are the parts, right? Like, we, we've established that everyone loves this. Where do we start seeing kind of the holes in it? So, I agree. I, I, I was very surprised to go through all of our Fast and Furious conversation and then have Taylor give it a 2 out of 10. So. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So with that, I feel like we should tell people uh, what's next up in our three-parter, our triple feature for this week. So 
you know, we did an A week, that was Fast 9. We did a B week, that was Black Death. We got one more A week for you this week. It's a, it's an ABA week. It's an ABBA week. Um, <laughs> and uh, that third A week is the latest blockbuster from Marvel Studios or whoever the hell made it. Um, 2021's Black Widow. So uh, I'm not going to tell you my thoughts here, uh, but if you want to hear them, that episode's going to be coming out pretty much immediately after the episode you're listening to right now. So either go see Black Widow or rent it if you have $30 to burn on a movie like that. Um, And then come check out the next episode. I think it's going to be a good discussion. I think we have at least one Marvel apologist here. And we have two people that might be a little bit more lukewarm on Marvel. So we'll get like a a wider spattering of opinions. And uh, we'll, we'll see where we land at the end of the day. And before we bounce, I can totally blanked on saying this in the main podcast. Uh, if you're interested in what life was actually like during uh, medieval horrible, terrible times, there's a great book called Life in a Medieval Village. It's by a, a scholarly couple, Francis Guise, Joseph Guise. Um, just an incredible book. Goes through daily life from regular people all the way up to rich people and everything we know archaeologically and, and from the written record from them. And um, just really an incredible picture into what village life was actually like. Um, so if you're interested in, if you watch this movie, you're interested in that, go check that book out. That is a great call out. We need more shit like that at the end of our episodes. But with that, Hank out. <laughs>